0: Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Jim Venturella, CIO at WVU Medicine. In this segment, Venturella talks about the tough decision his team faces with data warehousing, the huge opportunity he sees with telemedicine and the barriers that stand in the way, and why they're focused less on the state HIE and more on connecting with other hospitals through EPIC. You just mentioned analytics. What are the things that, that you that you are doing now in that area?
1: So we just brought up Epic's data warehouse uh, a month ago. And so that's uh, an area, again, that we're early stage of, of defining the, our full strategy, of what we want to do around analytics and, and getting people um, to start to utilize some of the new tools that are available to them. Um, there's a lot of uh, capabilities that uh, we have that we haven't uh, fully utilized. So the, the plan is to... Um, Work with the different operational units to uh, help enable them with what we already have, um, and in parallel, we're doing some evaluation of some other third parties to say, do we have some some gaps that we need to to plug in, or uh, in the short term, do we have enough uh, capability already? What with what we already own?
0: Right. Okay. So this is still pretty pretty new in the game as far as having that that particular data warehouse, but I imagine that um, you know once once more of these things are figured out, it'll be a matter of um, the, the users being able to kind of play around with it more and uh, see what they can do.
1: Exactly, yeah. So self-service is a big part of that strategy and figuring out the right model to uh, to enable them to do more um, and not have to do everything through uh, our group, as well as more of the advanced analytics. So we do... Obviously, like everyone else, we do lots of reporting and we have lots of dashboards and we present information, um, but we really haven't done a whole lot uh, at this point from a more advanced analytics where, you know, lots of other industries are going and where a lot of people in healthcare are at least talking about going.
0: Right. A lot of it's uh, setting the stage for that.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay. So as far as bringing up the Epic Data Warehouse, that was just part of the whole the whole uh, strategy um, that started... at. D- back in the summer as far as uh, getting everyone on the same system?
1: Yeah, that was something that was, uh, you know, somewhat being run in parallel uh, to that overall strategy. Um, You know, one of the things we're looking at in the interim is how much integration we want to do to the warehouse, to the legacy system versus waiting to bring them on, uh, you know, in the next two years when Epic uh, gets rolled out to them. As I mentioned, our quality retreat, we had some of those discussions yesterday on the the cost-benefit of, you know, combining some of that data early versus waiting. So those are some decisions we still need to make.
0: Okay. So it definitely seems like um like you said that the world doesn't stop. You can't be in a holding pattern, but there are some things where uh you know, you may be making a different decision 2 years from now. So I imagine there are some challenges there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone's always balancing. I think yeah. all my peers are probably in that same boat. Maybe different situations, but it's always a balance.
0: Right. And now you, you mentioned about the the, the practice plans before, um, so are uh, the physician practices that are owned by the system, those are on Epic at this point, or how how is that laid out right now?
1: Yeah, so the, the majority of uh, physicians are, are on Epic. We do have about 60 doctors that are affiliated with one of the hospitals that uh, aren't on Epic yet that, that we still need to move over to Epic, mm-hmm. uh, but all the rest are at this point, and we're working on the, the rollout for them, and they'll most likely come live at some point next year ahead of when the hospital converts over to EPIC.
0: Okay. With that rollout and that plan, is there like a certain uh, steering group or set up or something along those lines just for as far as handling all the, the unique concerns that physician practices have with switching over?
1: The overall steering committee we have formed uh, across the health system will we'll oversee that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And we do have different work groups from a departmental standpoint or a specialty standpoint. Um, so the, they look at more of the, the detail and the content within that. As we're looking at the high-level plans, it's a, a smaller group across the system that's looking at that.
0: Right. Okay. This, uh, you've talked about a lot, a lot of the things on, on your plate. Is there anything else that you're kind of looking at or you have on the, on the back burner just as far as uh, you know, your, your big priorities?
1: Well, I kind of mentioned also telehealth. We're... Um, We do a number of different uh, activities in that space, and we're, um, as an organization, trying to figure out uh, how much and how far we want to go with that. So there's um, some more activity right now, at least at the the strategy level, Um, and and I know there will be a a number of uh, things that come out of that from uh, our team that are going to be needed uh, in addition to what we already do today.
0: Is there a pretty uh, high number of patients, high percentage, who are um, pretty remotely located?
1: There's a a lot. Um, You know, the state of West Virginia only has about 1.8 million people in the state, um, Mm -hmm. but they are spread all over. You know, there's a a half dozen larger population areas, but then uh, most uh, everyone else is spread into smaller uh, areas, and you've got a lot of geography barriers that make things difficult to get from one place to another within the state. So um, there is a huge opportunity for telemedicine. Now, there are some... um, other barriers around some of the other infrastructure and, and, and population that we need to overcome. Um, but I think those are uh, coming down rather quickly. Um, just the consumer movement is changing some of those things that even five years ago seemed to be bigger barriers but really aren't as much uh, today.
0: Right. You always have to deal with with the, the reimbursement and, and the value questions, but you know, being in an area where you are, I, I feel like it's a, it's a little bit of a different conversation than than somebody who's even who's not, not even not quite in a city, but in a more populated area.
1: Yeah, it definitely is, and we're and as we look at that, that question, there, there's obviously the direct reimbursement that you've got to figure out because it's not quite where everybody wants it from a, a payer standpoint, um, but as we move more into the ACM model and as we, you know, with all of our, our payers, take on more of the risk, um, I think everyone in our organization understands that we may have to spend money on things that we're not necessarily getting directly reimbursed for but are going to have another financial benefit uh, from a bigger picture standpoint. Um, and I think telemedicine fits into that category of understanding where we want to s- spend the money and invest the dollars. Um, I mean, I get that direct benefit when we spend it, but we'll get the longer-term benefit. Uh, you know, the patient will get the benefit, and we'll get the benefit overall as well.
0: Right. Okay. With all the hospitals and practices, I, I know it, it's a pretty pretty um, good chunk of the state um, that, that WVU Medicine has, but then as far as uh, other health systems, um, what kind of uh, – data exchanges are you doing?
1: So the state itself has an HIE that is set up that we've been a member of for uh, several years now. So the uh, exact number of uh, hospitals within the state that are connected, but a fair number of them are connected uh, within there. So uh, we are exchanging data with those hospitals, and um, we've also got a significant exchange of data with other Epic clients uh, through the Care Everywhere platform.
0: Right it was interesting some of the, the findings that that came out in, in the class report were really talking about some of the uh the EHRs HIEs being really the the, the better value proposition and uh, I don't think it was that surprising for a lot of people to see that
1: no it wasn't if you look at our numbers we're um, i think this year through the state HIE um, we'll probably send and receive about 8000 uh, documents back and forth in our direct EPIC-to-EPIC Epic exchange is, like, over 300,000. So, oh, wow. it's, you know, it's materially different on, you know, what's being exchanged back and forth between EPIC-to-EPIC Epic and, you know, EPIC-to-everything else through the uh, West Virginia HIE. Right. Wow.
0: That's a pretty big difference.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was – when we first got the reports, uh, I was kind of shocked and had to ask my team if the the data was, was right for some of them, but uh, uh, it is. Now, some of those are, you know, we've got um, – close proximity to another um, health system that, that has Epic. There's some automatic uh, queries are set up, and so the numbers are a lot higher, and they're not all individual doctors making a, a one-off query. Um, but it's uh, for, you know, patients of ours, so you know it's, uh, there, there's a direct need to potentially have the data.
0: Right, right. Okay. With the latest version of Epic, that's something that you're that's looking into for 2017, you said?
1: Yeah. So we're on their... Um, we just upgraded this spring, um, and we'll, um, the code that was just released in the June-July time frame is what will um, be the basis for the enterprise rollout.
0: Okay. Um, you, you, you mentioned before about kind of what, what, uh, what you knew you were walking into when you came to the organization, and um, you know, that, that's an interesting thing to me. And is that, you said that was really kind of a big draw for you as far as making that leap
1: yeah, it was definitely um, part of it. Um, so it was an opportunity for me to, to be the lead person to help uh, the organization through this transformation as they were coming together. Um, a lot of interesting uh, projects out there. Um, from a cultural standpoint, it, it appeared to be a, a great fit, and um, fortunately it's been you know, probably even better than I thought from a cultural standpoint. It's been a really wonderful experience. And then there are some key uh, leadership changes that were uh, being made, and so there's uh, actually some people um, that I used to work with in my past that are there, and that uh, you know, helped influence my my decision as well to come down there.
0: Okay, from uh, UPMC. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's always a nice thing to be able to work with people who you really <laughs> enjoyed working with. Nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's been really nice.
0: Okay, did you did you have reservations about? Uh, Taking on this type type of transformation, even though it's exciting, I'm sure that maybe there are some uh, maybe a little bit of hesitation or just uh, a lot of thinking about how to approach it
1: well i actually i I didn't have a whole lot of reservation from uh, from that standpoint. Um, I did think that they were further along on the ingra- integration path than they actually were, um, and that may have been just my you know read through the the process of you know interviewing um, but once I got there, I realized there was more work to do. Um, not just in the IT area, but in all areas uh, from an integration standpoint. But that's, uh, it's been moving really quickly, as I said earlier, that uh, just the last eight months seeing where the organization was then in March to where they are now is materially different. So it's been exciting to be a part of that.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from HealthSystemCIO.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at HealthSystemCIO.com backslash podcast.